You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy. Hello, you're listening to The Happiness Hub with me, Keds, and we're on our fourth series talking about chronic conditions and hidden diseases. We've had some cracking guests on and we've just finished a two-parter all about MS, which has been an absolute eye-opener for me, maybe a little bit of a scary one to be to be absolutely truthful, but I've learned loads from both Karen and Helen that we spoke to over the last couple of episodes. So we have had on this series, which has been great, reconnecting with some previous guests, and I'm very pleased to introduce a previous guest of ours who came on the first series all that time ago um Annie Taylor so Annie it is lovely to have you back on with us how are you doing and what have you been up to since you last came on and spoke to us Hi, Kedrin. Um, Well, thank you for having me back. Um, it's welcome. always such a delight to, to chat with you. And I think we last met when lockdown was easing. Mm-hmm. At, oh, at yes, we came to the studio. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And then, of course, it all, yeah, all went pear-shaped again. Yeah, I've been busy putting together a teenager coaching programme. Um, and in fact, I've been approached to um, record a workshop which will be rolled out to schools via another organisation. So um, I can't say too much about how how that's going to work. But um, yeah, later today, I will be recording a workshop. And that's all about self-esteem. And that's aimed at teachers, parents and teenagers. Brilliant. I think that's really important. And from my kind of background and the work that we're doing at North Staff's Mind, I think that children and teachers and parents and all that sort of area about where kids haven't been able to go to school and and kids are getting sent home from school left, right and centre well before they broke up for the holidays is really an area that we need to be focusing on, definitely. Yeah, thank you. It is important. And I think, you know, even pre-pandemic, you know, there are issues there and there's a little bit of a gap, you know, where, where do you go to get the right kind of support for your for your teams so yeah I think I think it's something we're all invested in (laughs) yeah definitely and I think that that's a key point I was just having a conversation the other day about with someone about where do people go and get help because I think it can be really difficult there is lots of help out there it's just knowing where to find it and one thing I also wanted to ask you about and also thank you for as well is the colour consultation that you did so I know you did a bit of a fundraiser and we spoke briefly about it when you came on the podcast before but I really enjoyed that and you're still doing those uh, over over zoom and things are you? I am I'm doing I'm carrying on online and of course um, there is the opportunity now to see people face to face as well um so it really depends on distance and so on but yeah loving that and um I had so much fun working with you on that (laughs) well I love I just loved all the colors and it's just uh it's just made me think about like not just my clothes but you know you said about your house as well so we just recently had our bathroom done and I'm just thinking "Mm, what kind of warm colors do I need to be looking for for towels and stuff like that so yeah it was lots of fun really enjoyed that brilliant I'm so glad so oh, um, I invited you back on because this is something that I didn't know about you and we, we were just having a, a catch up before we started recording that you suffer from um, a chronic condition yourself. So you have ME, which we're going to talk about a little bit. So I'd, I'd like for you to tell me a little bit about, you know, your diagnosis and, and, and how that's been for you and managing those symptoms. But also something that you said that kind of came hand in hand in, and to correct me if I'm pronouncing it wrong is 
systemic can oh I can't even say it you're gonna have to tell me (laughs) Well, I, 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 people pronounce it two ways. So candidate or candida. I say candidate. <laughs> right. OK. So tell us a little bit about both of those conditions. Um, what are they? And, you know, when did you get diagnosed with them? OK, so ME, first of all, mm-hmm. I always say ME slash chronic fatigue. Yeah. And I was diagnosed over 20 years ago when I think there was a little bit of a perception that you know people have just decided to be a bit lazy Mm -hmm. people have just decided to you know oh they can't really be bothered so you know they're just uh, taking it easy for a while no that's actually not the case (laughs) um and uh, a lot more is known about it now so for me it was a little bit about muddling through and hand in hand with that was candidate albicans and systemic because it just kind of broke through that wall into the rest of my body and caused some quite frightening symptoms um so I have to say I literally thought at one point I was dying because my body just I I just couldn't function the way that I had been yeah from what little I know about it when you were telling me about it it sounds like a very serious condition I've heard of people becoming bedridden um from from either or both of these um I remember when I was a a kid there was something in the media about a young woman who was in hospital with Candida and they were there was a lot of talk about her you know questions about was she anorexic because she was so thin you know was Candida a made-up kind of thing I just remember that and so when I when I discovered that this was something I had it was it was a bit scary yeah but, but it was yeah and and the fact that you said that you didn't really get the help and support from the doctors at the time no uh, no <laughs> no my doctor at the time was prescribing me antibiotics mm-hmm. and probably the worst thing um, that you could prescribe to someone who has candida and uh, I was going back um, at the end of each course saying I don't understand. The antibiotics don't seem to be working. I feel worse. My symptoms are worse. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, one one of the main symptoms that I noticed, the most obvious one, was a a horrible thrush, Mm -hmm. really bad thrush. I was prescribed more antibiotics and I was getting worse. I went back, I was prescribed more antibiotics and I was getting worse to the point that... I was so debilitated that I was struggling to walk to the car. Oh my God. Um, And um, and there there were a whole load of symptoms that actually I would never have have put together. I I wouldn't have looked out for these and and recognized them as being, you know, the same thing as being linked in any way. Mm -hmm. So where, where did you go from there then in order to be able to get the treatment and the help that you needed? Well, I I was in sort of blissful ignorance or not so blissful ignorance of what was going on in my body. Um, But I was starting to have trouble functioning at work. By the time I got to work, my my hands, it was an hour's drive. My hands were in pain on the steering wheel. I remember checking my boots. I used to love wearing DMs, you know, in a quirky sort of way. I know you do too. they have huge thick soles don't they and I remember taking them off and checking them for holes because my feet hurt so much when I walked that I thought you know there must be something wrong with my boots mm. 
and uh, I was at work in the kitchen just trying to get a breather away from everyone at one point and um, one of the consultants came in and um, looked at me and said you need to go home I said no I'm just a bit tired I'm, I'm okay no you need to go home and thank thank heavens that this lady was just kind of getting over and learning to manage exactly what I had she looked at me and she knew what was going on and she said you need to go home she said she said what do you what will you do when you go home I said oh I said maybe some French bread and cheese I could really murder that at the moment she said please don't eat that and uh, I didn't understand I thought I, I thought what is going on here anyway I was ushered out of the office, which was embarrassing. And I felt, I just felt awful. I didn't understand what was going on with me and went home and just spent a couple of weeks at home feeling terrible. I then got a phone call from work saying, look, go and see a kinesiologist. So I tried to find a kinesiologist and the only one I could get in to see at short notice happened to specialise in Emmy and Candida. That's it's meant to be. It, it was totally meant to be. It was totally meant to be. Just just for our listeners, can you just explain what a kinesiologist is? Well, she worked with um, energy. Mm-hmm. Um, she did muscle testing to find out um, what foods I was sensitive to. This felt weird because, um, you know, I had to stick one arm out and stand strong and she put a, she put a magnet against the shoulder and Put, put a bit of food against me and and pressed on my arm and you know I just remember standing there thinking I'm paying really good money for this and I don't understand <laughs> what we're doing yeah sounds a bit bizarre very bizarre <laughs> it, it felt bizarre but she was a nutritionalist and a kinesiologist mm. and she worked in this way and because she had battled with Emmy and Candida throughout her life Mm-hmm. I, I always look back and say she saved my life that's how it felt you know that's and that's that's how I look at it now you know that perhaps I could have ended up as one of these people that was bedridden as a result of my my symptoms mm-hmm. but actually she was amazing and um, she's not in this area but I, ha- I have to say um, her name is Anne Shaw and she's based in Teddington on the outskirts of London because that's where I was at the time yeah okay mm. it's that's interesting actually because um, we've talked quite a bit about diet and how it can help with your symptoms um, Joe Brimmel that we had on myself and Liz did a, a, an anti-inflammatory diet with her and you can, there's a lot of talk about that in the news nowadays but she is also a practice nurse as well. And so she said, you know, that GP surgeries uh, or, you know, some sort of healthcare should be prescribing these things to people to help them manage these conditions. Um, and she's a big advocate and she managed to remove the majority of her symptoms, and if not eliminate them all through her diet. So what kind of things did you have to change in terms of your diet to help with your symptoms? And did they help both your fatigue as well as the candidate? Yeah, I mean, for me, I I see, you know, both of these labels as being one thing. That's how it was for Mm -hmm. me. That was my experience of it. Um, And um, yeah, what did I have to change? Well, pretty much everything. Okay. (laughs) Um, When I got home from that appointment, I looked in my cupboards and the only thing I I had in my kitchen that was okay Mm -hmm. was tomatoes. Right. 
that's all I had. <laughs> Everything else had to go. And we have to think that, you know, this was a long time ago. I was, yeah, I was young. I was really career focused. Food wasn't something that I thought about an awful lot. I mean, I loved, I loved a really good sort of nutty bread and that sort of thing. You know, I loved, um, you know, mushrooms on toast was a treat. I loved that. But generally, I would grab whatever was quick because, in my view, I had better things to do than think about what I was eating. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people still think like that. Yeah. And I suppose if it's not a problem, you can't blame them for that. No. And what's healthy for one person may not be healthy for for somebody else. Yeah, I I basically had to get back in my car and go out and do um, do some shopping, um, some shopping that felt quite alien to me. (laughs) And it took a while to get used to what I could eat that was going to help me feel better and what I really needed to stay away from. So I had to eliminate all sugars, including fruit, anything fermented, wheat, dairy and and various various other things. But it it took a little getting used to, but I stuck rigidly to it at the point that you think you're going to (laughs) die at the point where you struggle to get from your house to your car at the point where you feel so exhausted that, you know, if the choice is that you just close your eyes and you're going to fade away, that actually feels okay because you're not sure how you can do anything else. Yeah. I was terrified then to, <laughs> to, to go back and eat the foods that could be causing mm-hmm. me all of this. Yeah, well, you would be, wouldn't you? Because you just don't want to go back to being like that. And again, when we did the anti-inflammatory diet, Joe, who ran it, said that's a very natural reaction. People kind of do it and then they're like, I'm not introducing things back in because I don't want to. And so was that something that you had to do then to introduce some of these things? Or do you still have to keep a very strict diet? I don't keep a strict diet at all now. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I do know that, um, you know, at times when I feel myself dipping, Uh I'll just take a look and say, oh, okay. You know, I know that I had a really busy few days and I grabbed the granary bread because it was there and and because I love it, Mm, you know. Um, And maybe I've done that a few too many times. So for me, it's just about balance. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, family meals and so on. Sometimes I'll cook a separate meal. Um, Sometimes I will get a meal to work for all of us and we all have very different tastes (laughs) so there are people that kind of say crikey there's got to be another way of doing this but you know what I I don't really mind Kedrin I don't mind cooking extra meals some of the time because I really think it's important to enjoy what you're having as well what you're eating Mm -hmm. and I want my husband to love the food that's put in front of him and I want my daughter to really enjoy what she's got in front of her in a way that doesn't make them feel like it's all picky and it's all a problem you know Mm -hmm. yeah I've had to change massively like sort of my 
planning of the food and things like that since going vegan also my my stepdaughter's vegetarian and my um partner's a carnivore <laughs> but generally we kind of eat the same things I used to cook meat for my partner before very occasionally but I don't I don't do that anymore um but even when we were doing the elimination diet at my stepdaughter and you want to make sure that your you know your, your daughter's next generation don't have a that they enjoy food and trying new things as well. So when I was doing things like courgette or we were having like um, roasted vegetables instead of rice, so getting out that gluten sort of thing, she was willing to try it, which is great. And I know that's not everybody is as fortunate as that. And some people can be quite either picky or they don't feel like they've had a proper meal unless they've had some meat. Yeah, yeah. But it is a really important thing. And if you you don't suffer for any problems from your diet, then great. I I wish I I was the same, but I'm I'm similar too. that. I know if I've had too much bread or, you know, certain sort of things that I can start to feel that I'm not 100 percent. And especially around, um, I would say, the mental side of things as well. You know, the tiredness. I mean, drinking a lot of water is quite good. One thing I did want to ask you about, because quite often when I said to you, well, let's, you know, it'll be lovely to meet up with you when we're allowed to and go for a coffee. You you, you don't drink caffeine. I think you, you sometimes you mention that you see decaf, of course. Is that something <laughs> something that you've had to get out? Well, um, I haven't, I haven't had, well, back then I had to cut out um, caffeine um, and I was an absolute coffee addict, yeah. you know, um, so I, I don't even know how many I would get through. And we're not talking Nescafe, you know, or, or any other <laughs> any other um, freeze-dried coffee. We're talking about the strong stuff. Proper stuff, yeah. Yeah. So um, I, I did reintroduce that. I love coffee. But of late, and, and actually I don't know if this is because I'm menopausal or not, I've, I found fairly recently that I was starting to feel not very good after my coffee. Mm-hmm. And so I switched to decaf and, and it's just for that reason. But yeah, I think, I think just noticing what works for you yeah, and what doesn't work for you is really important. And my daughter can't, you know, can't abide the sort of things I eat. I'll happily eat a plate full of lentils and some raw veg. And, you know, I love all that. Mm-hmm. For her, I think she she'd feel like she'd died and gone to hell if I put that in front of her. <laughs> you know, I, I she pulls faces when I show her my pretty plate of food. Uh-huh. Um, but I do educate her about what food does to you. And she does know that. Um, and she was an asthma sufferer when she was very little. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when she went to nursery and they were learning about the human body, she was talking about what the lungs do because it was important that she understood how her lungs worked and why she was having to go to the doctors all the time and so on, why she was getting all these chest infections and so on. And so I think it's just important to have enough information that feels relevant and makes sense to you. I think if you're someone that isn't suffering any symptoms, overload can just be off-putting, can't it? Of course it can. And there are so many things to consider when you get a diagnosis of this sort of thing, especially when you were saying you were feeling that poorly. It's very difficult to kind of, you know, get yourself out of that sort of, I don't know, routine, I guess. And we've talked, we've talked quite a bit about routine with a lot of our um, guests that we've had on the show and talking about that routine and making things easier for yourselves, but also um, 
budgeting energy so is there any kind of tips and things that you do day to day that helps you with managing any symptoms that might be reoccurring the thing that I, I think the main thing for me the key thing for me is to I've learned to notice that I'm not a lazy person <laughs> <laughs> the first thought the first thing that comes to mind when I'm about to experience a dip it are these words and I literally I hear words in my head mm-hmm. so for me it's oh I can't be bothered at the moment and as soon as I hear myself thinking that it's a warning sign for me right because I'm not someone that can't be bothered so if that's the thing that's come to mind can't be bothered for me equals oh my gosh there's there's not much left (laughs) so in terms of energy I've really got to think now and um, I do just look at what I'm doing. I've got a fantastic, my husband is, is so supportive. I'm really lucky. He met me when I was coming out of the worst of this. So I was still having some down days and he saw me like that. So he understands, and he understands what I'm like, obviously. If I say, sweetheart, I need to go and lie down for a bit. Can you finish dinner? But there's absolutely no question. There's no debate. Whatever he's in the middle of, he will leave and he will go and finish dinner. If I say, and it doesn't happen very often that I might say, I I just need to lie on the sofa and watch TV today. You know, that's what I do. It's not about, oh, I'm, you know, it's a bit of a cop out today or there's something I don't want to face today or I'm procrastinating. It's not about that because that's not what I do. It's about the fact that I felt my body crying in some way Mm -hmm. and asking for help. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right to recognising those triggers, isn't it? Being aware. And we did a lot of awareness when we did our six week uh, wellness course, because something I know that you wanted to talk about as well is like, what point do you get before you ask for help? You know, how bad do you let your let your symptoms get before you go, OK, I'm really I'm really struggling here and I need I need I need to ask somebody to help me. Yeah. And I see this in other people yeah. and it it's a hard thing to watch and I do ask this question at what point are you going to feel desperate enough at what point you know how bad does it need to get before you decide to do something about it and you know I think GPs have a wow they they do have a tough job but they are general they are general practitioners they are not specialists that's not what they're there to do and I think we all have a responsibility actually to to go out and start investigating Mm -hmm. it's easier than ever now you know you can google anything and whilst whilst there are probably a lot of a a lot of unhelpful bits of information that you can come across on the internet I know when I've been to the GP they've sent me home and said just research online Mm -hmm. you know so there's a part of me that says okay it can't be that bad then there's useful information out there there are books out there there are webinars there's you know the kind of stuff that you're doing there are a lot of places that you can find information but it's that decision isn't it this is the day that I decide to change something Mm -hmm. it's very scary because to make that decision you have to admit that something's wrong. Yeah. And we don't want to do that. And and I think 
you know that is the hardest that's the hardest part mm-hmm. and I think I think you're right Nicola who I spoke to before she said about self-application and so when you go to the doctors and they give you a certain amount of information don't feel worried about asking for more and asking questions to find out what you need but also speaking to other people I think you are very lucky or fortunate to for that lady at work to say you need to go home and she'd gone through something similar and also to find a specialist that uh, did she say she was a specialist in those areas because she would, she'd had those symptoms herself as well the kinesiologist and nutritionist yeah. I thought yes yeah, yeah, yes yeah. so speaking and, to and other people who have who who know you know what you're going through yeah I mean I was so lucky Kedrin because I didn't know I I happened to land you know there was something in the universe that took me step by step to the right people and you know what I it was quite early on in a in a new job it was all this was happening in the first year of a new job but at one point I went back to visit the people from my old job where I where I I'd left and um, I told them, you know, I told them what had been going on for me. And one of them said, oh, she said, well, that explains it. Because she said there were days you looked like you couldn't pick yourself up out of your chair. Mm. And I, I wasn't really aware of that. I remember feeling tired, but there was a lot going on. There was a lot going on for me. There had been things happening at home and, you know, it was quite an emotional time. So I was tired. That was all. I thought she'd recognize something else yeah yeah you dismiss it or you just think oh it's normal to be this tired because I've got a lot of things going on Hmm. but then it's always much easier to do that in hindsight isn't it and go well actually yeah that that shouldn't be my norm I shouldn't be feeling like that yeah 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 but I but at that time this kind of thing wasn't around you know, what you're doing here and bringing everything really out into the open and making it easy for people to understand what may or may not be happening for them. Mm-hmm. You know, this kind of thing wasn't around. And had it been, it would have been so much easier. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would have been there with my phone at night checking. Why am I so tired? <laughs> <laughs> Why do I feel like I can't drag one foot in front of the other you know, and see what comes up? <laughs> But also, I think also back then, you know, when you go into the doctors and they're not coming with any solutions, you, you start to question yourself, especially like Laura, who spoke to about fibromyalgia. And she said it was like the luck of the draw, depending on what specialist or doctor you went to see, because some people were just like, it's not a thing. And I'm sure it would have been the same with ME. People just said, like you said, that it, you're just being tired, but it's it's nowhere near even sort of describes a tenth of what you're going through. So on, on a day-to-day basis, have you got any advice for anybody who might be going through something similar to what you experience? What would your best piece of advice be to somebody who is having the, those feelings or maybe not necessarily getting the help that they need from their healthcare professionals? I think the first thing is you have to believe that you can get better. Mm-hmm. And once you know what's going to work for you, actually you know, for, for me, I know it's not for, for all conditions um, or, or all diseases, but for me, for what I had, getting well was easy. Okay. So do, do the research, just ask around, ask questions and keep at it, stick with it. 
I would say I was really lucky to, to, to land in front of um, a complementary therapist who understood everything mm-hmm. about what I was going through. But I, but I mean, I, I, I'm a, um, a qualified a holistic massage therapist as well and and you know when you enter the world of complementary therapy you know it's not one size fits all I mean that in a way is the beauty of it that's what makes it so different to hopping along to the doctor down the road try and find um you know some complementary therapists that understand and can help you and if if one's not working try something else now I I actually went to a range I you know initially I saw this nutritionist kinesiologist I also went to see a herbalist and, I, you know, I'm still in touch with her. If, if there's something that we need, there's, you know, she's brilliant. She's in Hampshire, but of course, with the, the wonders of technology, <laughs> it doesn't matter anymore. Mm. Um, and I was having weekly massages just to shift the toxins far from the relaxing spa experience that may come to mind. You know, it was painful because my body hurt. Yeah. And I had to organize myself. It was every Saturday morning, I had to organize myself so that I could kind of crawl back into bed at the end of it. And that was my that was my Saturday gone because I was so exhausted after that. But it, that was about shifting the toxins. Mm-hmm. So you may need a combination of, um, of different types of help to get you over this, but it can work. And there's, I, I just think there's no reason why it can't work. And I think you're right. And, and other people have said this as well as finding something that works for you. So go and try something. If it doesn't work, it's not a failure. It's not the be all and end all of it. It's you've tried. That's not right. It's moving on to the next thing and you will find something that works. Yeah, I do. It, it, I do want to just say that it wasn't just about food for me mm-hmm. and it wasn't just about rest for me. I had to take a really long, hard look at the life I was living and, um, you know, I, talk, I always talk about what matters most. I talk about life priorities and that kind of thing. And I suppose this is why, this is why this matters to me so much. And, uh, you know, and helping people to, to get their ducks in the right order mm-hmm. is because, you know, I, I started to look at what was healthy overall in life. And that included relationships, that, did, that included the kind of friendships that I had. And I made some really upsetting discoveries, you know, that people, you know, a couple of people that I'd felt really close to for a number of years, turned out, you know, they weren't really there in the way that I thought they would be. Mm -hmm. And it felt more like, okay, if I'm of no use to you, I'm, I'm holding no value to you because I'm not able to help you at the moment. And the reason I can't help you at the moment is that I am at full capacity right now. Um, so there was a sifting of relationships that needed to happen. And I don't see that at all in any way as a negative thing. That released me into a new kind of life where I invited and accepted and, and nurtured only the relationships that were healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that seems to be a positive thing. Yeah. Well, it was a massive change in your life. So you mentioned that, not just the diet, the way that you function and the way that you were living your life as well. So, yeah, that's that's a really great point. So making sure that the people around you are the right people. Yeah. And I think when we talk about a holistic approach, we quite often think of 
you know, mind, body, spirit, everything being, you know, within ourselves. Um, but actually, we need to look about the other stuff. We need to look at the other stuff as well. We need to kind of do a bit of a stress assessment <laughs> um, and, and maybe a value assessment. Where does the value lie in each thing, in the kind of work that we're doing or the kind of hours we're choosing to spend at work? That changed also for me. I was someone that was at work at maybe half seven in the morning. I'd get home maybe at nine at night. No one else was doing it, but I was addicted. <laughs> I was so driven. I would say I'm no less addictive and no less driven now, but I manage my life in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And focusing on the things that are important and where you're spending that energy too. Yeah. So we come into the end of the podcast, Annie. Thank you so much for sharing all of those top tips and all the things that you've changed within your life to get to, you know, manage and function as you are. You are a self-employed, which is life and style coach. Is that your title? Yes, life and style coach. So life coach and, uh, and an image consultant. Um, and so I know that you're passionate about what you do and you've mentioned briefly, you touched on it about like working with your clients and seeing the things that they're doing and helping them because you've had to change so much within yourself that must help working with your clients and pointing them in the right. I like what you said about not having your ducks in the row, but having your ducks in the right order. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, and a lot of the people that I work with won't know any of, any of my, my history. Um, you know, they don't, they don't come to me because of my own life experience. Um, but it does, I, I think, yes, it, it does add to, it helps me to, um, to really understand what's, what's going on. So I feel as though the life that I led previously was completely different to the life I, I have now. And um, yeah, it, it feels like a different life. So anyone that meets me now would not recognize if they were to go back in time and meet Annie Taylor 20 years ago 25 years ago would not recognize me as the same person that's a massive change then absolutely speaking about life as it is now Annie it's a happiness hub so what has been making you happy this year 2021 halfway through the year already what's been making you happy over the last six months do you know what it's the really simple things um it's the it's things like spending time in the garden. I always say I'm not a gardener and I don't like gardening, but we've noticed that when I go out to do five minutes weeding, I'm out there for an hour. So <laughs> I need to change. It. Yeah, <laughs> change of perception required there. Um, but it's it is the simple things. And interestingly, um, you know, we, we're coming out of lockdown now. Everything's changed. Things have been easing over several months. But the stuff that I, I really valued in lockdown, that extra time with family, uh, you know, that extra time to just think, that extra space, those are the things that I'm still really enjoying now. So nothing for me there has changed. I just feel like I've got the perfect balance. That's brilliant. I'd love to have that. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right I think the lockdown for a lot of people has been great because they're not spending time commuting and there's a little bit more time to to consider things before getting into work and I also do think that a lot of people might be a little bit anxious about life returning to normal and you know having to go back to work so there is a there's big changes uh, ahead for people but also I think like you said you're still seeing clients online because it works for you it works for them 
So there's there's going to be some positive things that we can take out from the pandemic that's going to help people live their life a little bit better. And particularly, like you said, finding that right balance, that's really important. Absolutely. And I think, it, I think you know, talking about the anxiety of things going back to, you know, normal, I think part of, part of the um, contributor to anxiety now is that, uh, you know, a lot of people don't really know what normal needs to look like yeah. anymore. So I think if, if I may just say, we're still on a journey mm-hmm. and there is opportunity, you know, when you put one foot in front of another, there is opportunity on every step to just take a moment and think about, is this the direction that I want to be going in? Is this the direction that is going to bring me happiness? And I would say that, you know what, if the answer is no, then maybe it's time to do something else. Mm -hmm. Perfect. We shall end on that golden nugget of advice there. (laughs) I think that brings us fantastic to our um, conclusion. We should end that on our Happiness Hub podcast. Use, use, Use one of your quotes at the end of the Happiness Hub podcast for people to think away. We started off in our first series about doing some homework, which Liz and I weren't very good at. (laughs) <laughs> but just leaving people with something to think about so I think that's a great way of, uh, of leaving it thinking if it's not making you happy or might not do then it's time to to look at something else yeah thanks for having me Kedrin it's been a pleasure it's always lovely to catch up and talk to you and um, this is your second time on the podcast so maybe third time lucky you might come back on at some point and talk to us again I'd love to yeah I'd love to fabulous all right we'll take care Annie and I'll speak to you soon thank you Kedrin You're listening to The Happiness Hub, part of the Redshift Community Podcast Network with me, Liz Parkin. And me, Kedron Elliott. Every episode, we'll share top tips on how to get happy and stay happy. So listen in, get involved and be happy.